Welcome back to Throwing Hands, as Danny and I will be uh, reviewing Fight Night uh, Overeem vs. Sky. Daniel, how you doing? Doing great, Jacob. How about you? I'm doing great. We're just going to hop right into this one. Uh, <clears throat> Viviane Arahua, how do you say her name, versus uh, Montana De La Rosa. Very close fight. I was surprised how uh, De La Rosa kept it on the feet. They, She had more significant strikes than uh, Viviane, but uh, Viviane came out with the win. What were your thoughts on this one? Like you said, this was an interesting fight. Uh, Araujo, obviously an outstanding uh, ju- Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner. And she only went for one takedown, which I found interesting. Montana De La Rosa went for six and only landed one of them. So that takedown defense was clearly there for Araujo. Uh, but as you said, this was a really close fight in the scorecards. 91 to 88 in terms of total strikes for Araujo. Actually, the UFC had uh, De La Rosa 85 to 82 on significant strikes. But I think something to, to look at here was Araujo was a lot more efficient. She threw 140 significant strikes and landed 82 of them, while De La Rosa only landed 85 out of 215. That's a pretty wide discrepancy, and I think that's part, part of the reason that Vivian Araujo took this one home. Yeah, I have to agree with you there. And, it, I mean, De La Rosa did show that she can stand up on the feet with the best of them because – uh, Vivian is very, very good at stand-up game, and Vivian showed her takedown defense in this, like you said as well. So on for what's next for De La Rosa. Um, I don't know exactly. I think it just they just need to play this out. Maybe when Macy Barber comes back, I think that'd be a decent fight for her. What do you have to say? I would have to say the same thing. This is the kind of situation where you're looking at two fighters that are trying to make their names in this division, and it's a pretty deep division. So I think uh, that's going to be the biggest thing between these two is to have something shake out towards the back of that top 15 because they both still have some potential to move up. Definitely. And for Vivian, I think uh, Jessica I could be the next up on that list. She can finally beat a big name and get her, launch herself into that top five. What do you have to say? I think that'd be definitely an interesting proposition. It would be a big step up for her, but I think it would definitely be something that she's game for. All right. So to the next fight of the fight of the evening, uh, Brian Kelleher versus Ray Rodriguez. Ray Rodriguez came in about I don't know 24 hours before the fight. I mean Kelleher had his opponent switched up on him multiple times, and he got the job done. He submitted him within in 39 seconds with that guillotine choke. What do you have to say about Kelleher's performance? I mean a really impressive performance uh, for Brian Kelleher. Ray Rodriguez, like you said, a short notice. Uh, a short notice competitor in this one, uh, but that can honestly go both ways. Kelleher didn't have a lot of time to prepare for Ray Rodriguez, but obviously Ray Rodriguez was coming in against a long-term UFC veteran who's got a ton of fights under his belt. So I, I didn't, I wasn't surprised to see this one finish so quickly. Brian Kelleher, like I said, a guy that's been around the block a million times. And I mean, he did what he does. He, he went out, slapped that guillotine on and finished this one off quickly. All right, so for Ray Rodriguez, maybe he'll get somebody on the contend series foot. But for Kelleher, I mean, he's been on a surge this uh, uh, this year. He, he's tied for the most wins with three. So what do you think's next for him? 
uh, Brian Kelleher is, is an interesting case because he's been a little bit of a gatekeeper recently. He's 34 years old, so he's past his prime. Uh, but he still fought some decent guys. He, he had that decision loss to Cody Stamen back in June. Uh, he, he beat uh, Hunter Azure by knockout, who fought all, also on this card. And he, he's uh, got another win from back in January against Osborne. So uh, Brian Kelleher, I'm not sure he gets a step up in competition, but he, there's no reason uh, for him to, to fight anyone that would be a step down uh, at this point. Obviously, he's uh, looking uh, at the back end of his career. I don't really know where he goes from here, but he's obviously a guy that can still produce fireworks as he's had uh, in the last, just this year, he's had two performances of the night and a fight of the night. All right, I'm not even going to add anything to that. You summed it up perfectly. So uh, to, this was a fun fight to watch. Uh, Pereira versus uh, Imadayev. Pereira pretty much toyed with him for three rounds, even throwing in a Stockton slap every once in a while. What were your thoughts on this one? I think this was a really interesting fight because uh, something that we saw with, with Michael Pereira in the past is he's a really flashy guy and that kind of gets him into trouble at times. And I think we still saw that flash from him, but he was, he was more composed. He didn't let it get, uh, he didn't let his, his flair for the dramatic, you could say, uh, get the best of him in the octagon. Cause when we've seen him lose before, it's been because a lot of times he, he gets outside himself. He gets more focused on the entertainment side of things than actually winning the fight. And he was, he was a lot more composed. He was still doing the things that make him a really entertaining fighter to watch, but he was a lot more composed in doing it. And when it came to finishing Zalim Amadayev off, he did it. And he dominated this fight, and he was able to uh, finish it by submission, which I think is probably what got him the performance of the night bonus. If this goes to a full three rounds, he still wins the fight, but I don't think he gets that bonus. So – uh, Pereira is a really exciting guy, and obviously uh, he's taking some steps forward in improving the way that he fights and, and not letting that flashy style be all that he's known for. Yeah, I have to agree with, with everything you said there. He was very flashy, but it didn't get the best of him like it does sometimes. And he just looked really good in general the whole fight. And with like you said, the submission definitely gave him that performance of the night, got the one takedown, got hold of the back. And it's the debate if him a dive check, but he would have lost the fight anyway. So might as well give Pereira another 50k or however much it is. So for Imadayev, I don't know what's next for him. It's been a it's been a little rocky in the UFC for this guy. But uh, so what do you think? I don't know with Imadayev. This may honestly, I don't want to see him get cut because he's a guy with a lot of talent. But I don't think he's honestly up to par with the UFC fighters he's been matched up with at this point. <laughs> He goes out and loses to, to Pereira here. That's his third straight loss. He has no wins in the UFC. And honestly, that's the kind of thing that, that gets guys run off the roster. You hate to say that. Uh, but Imadayev has had no success in the UFC. He's been there since uh, early 2019. You don't, he's, he's fought often. He's fought three times since last April. So you would like to see a guy that's willing to take fights stay on the roster. But if he can't compete with the guys he's getting matched up with, I don't see him sticking around much longer. Yeah, I think the, I think a cut could potentially be next for him. But for Pereira, I mean, this guy deserves a top uh, 15 bout. I mean, he showed what he could do here. So I wouldn't be surprised. Heck, I, I, would, I wouldn't feed him to Robbie Lawler just yet, but maybe Showtime Pettis. I think that'd be a good thing to look out for. What do you have to say? I think that would be a really interesting matchup to, to throw him up against a, a long-term veteran who's on the back end of their career, I think. Uh, Pereira is a guy that has some potential to move up and move up quickly. Uh, but I think 
like you said, a, a, a fight against somebody more established than somebody like Emadayev, I think that would be really interesting to check out. Definitely. So, two, uh, not, this has to be knockout of the night right here. Oh, he got the performance of the night. That's correct. So, Ovin St. Preux versus Alonzo Menafield. They were going at it for the first round, and then Alonzo Menafield, second round, got into the pocket, and Ovin St. Preux hit him with a nice left hook square on the jaw. What were your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I was not expecting uh, OSP to to be able to put a guy like Menafield, who's such an elite athlete, down so easily in the second round. That was really impressive. I honestly thought uh, Ovin Saper was over the hill. I thought he was uh, declining rapidly as far as ability goes, and I thought I thought he was done. I thought Menafield was going to put himself on the map and knock Ovin Saper out early. And I was proven wrong. I thought OSP looked really good in this fight, especially like you said in that second round where he just came flying out. Menafield got in too tight. He was able to just flatten him. Yeah, and Owen St. Preux just fought his fight. He controlled the pace the whole time. And Alonzo Menafield, if he had pushed the pace a little more, maybe he would have gotten Owen St. Preux. But Owen St. Preux gained control of the pace and he just came out on top. So for Menafield, I think it's a really interesting situation. I mean, he's, what, 9-2 and two now, if I'm not mistaken. So, and I think we could see him get not somebody fresh off the contender series, but someone that's come off in the last two years who's gained a little momentum. What do you have to say? I think so. I think Alonzo Menafield's still a pretty decent prospect in the light heavyweight division. I think he's a guy that has a lot of potential moving forward. He just needs to get on the right track in the UFC. And obviously, Owen St. Brew was a big step up for him. He wasn't quite there. He wasn't quite prepared enough for it. Uh, but I think he's he's got the potential that if you give him somebody that's a little bit more on his level right now, like you said, maybe a contender series veteran, that'd be a good fight for men on the field, a good way to get him on track. Definitely. And for OSP, I don't. I think he'll kind of like stay a gatekeeper for the light heavyweight division. I don't really see him doing much more than that. He, he might be like somebody that freed some prospects to. I mean, I don't see him ever getting – he could get in the top 15 – like 13, 14, 15, but I don't see him going anywhere past that. What do you have to say? Yeah, I don't really think so beyond that. Uh, like you said, he, he peaked a, a couple years ago getting that, getting that John Jones fight, getting that title opportunity, uh, but that's about as high as we're going to see him get, and I don't see him getting back to those kind of heights anytime soon. All right. To the main event of the evening. Uh, this was a pretty awesome fight. I'm not going to lie. Uh, Overeem, Overeem was losing the first three rounds. And Augusta Sakai was landing some nasty combinations. Putting Overeem up against the fence. Making him cover up. Then Sakai just got tired. And Overeem just figured out. Hey, if I bring this out of the ground. I'll win this fight. And that's exactly what he did. Throwing down nasty elbows on Augusto Sakai. In the fifth round. To knock, uh, get him by TKO. What do you have to say? This was... I mean, I said when we previewed this to to never bet against Alistair Overeem because guy is just an absolute freak when it comes to his longevity and his ability in the octagon. We're talking about a fight where a guy who's been fighting professionally since 1999 that's 40 years old in terms of conditioning outlasted a 29-year-old. That's that's amazing. I mean – we, I get it. Overeem is a freak of nature. He's a guy you never want to bet against when it comes to a big fight. And this was kind of his opportunity to prove that he's still somebody to be reckoned with at the top of this division. Obviously, he had an outstanding win against Walt Harris back in May. But this was his opportunity to take a step back up after that loss to Yorzinho Rosenstreich. So 
this this was really impressive out of Overeem. The fact that he could take a beating from Augusto Sakai and then just come out of nowhere to finish that in the fifth was really impressive and really a big step forward for, for a guy who, at 40 years old, like we talked about earlier last week, has said he wants to challenge for the heavyweight title again. And I think we can talk about what's next for him, but I think his next fight, he's going to get an opportunity to fight somebody ranked higher than him and prove he's still a legitimate title contender. Definitely. And when you talk about the beating that Augusto Sakai gave him in the first three rounds, it's, 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 it'd be one thing if he was 25, 26, taking that beating, getting all those hits, hit, uh, being hit so much, but he's 40. And the fact that he still has a lot of chin left in him uh, just shows that he could contend for a title again. So it's pretty exciting stuff. So I don't think Sakai should be uh, deterred by this loss at all. He's only Absolutely 29. Not. And he's, he's still – he's very, very good. So it's, it's – I'm interested to see where he goes. I think you could see a possible Olenek fight, uh, you, you know, a little step down on competition for uh, Augusto Sakai. What do you have to say? Yeah, I think he gets somebody that's a step down compared to Alistair Overeem. He's not going to get another top five contender. I think we can agree on that. Um, I don't really know. Junior Dos Santos coming off a loss, maybe. Maybe a Volkov. There's, there's a lot of guys coming off losses in this division that Sakai could match up with pretty well. So, yeah, I think, I think there's, there's plenty of opportunities for him in this heavyweight division and plenty of more chances to prove himself against guys with a little more experience. Definitely. And for the Ream, I think, I think uh, another fight against uh, Rosenstroik is up next for him. Yeah. I think, I mean, this, the top five is pretty locked up with Nganu, probably getting the next title shot, def- definitely getting the next title shot and Curtis Blades and Lewis going at it. So the only real option for him is Rosenstroik. So yeah, that, and that, that was, that was who he called out after that fight. So that makes a ton of sense. Yeah, definitely. So the Ream's not done yet. I, not at all. Not at all. And speaking of uh, heavyweight greats, uh, you and I texted about this a couple days ago. Um, top five heavyweights. I forget who's your top five heavyweights. I gave you. I get. I didn't give you my top five. I I posed a potential top three of Steve Bay, DC, and then uh, Alistair Overeem as a potential number three. Just just looking at this uh, coming up into this Saturday which uh, we disagreed on, on that. You had Randy Couture at number three uh, instead of the Ream, but you still had him in your top five. I honestly, just looking at his longevity, I get that, that Randy Couture is, is an all-time legend, but I would, I would venture to put him at number five. My top five, if I had to, if I had to go with it, would probably be Stipe number one, obviously. He's, he's the greatest heavyweight of you all time. You can't debate that. You cannot debate that. Uh, Daniel Cormier at number two. I, I would be tempted to put Cain Velasquez at number three. And for the sake of the exercise, I'll put him at number three uh, ahead of Alistair Overeem. But you look at the longevity of Alistair Overeem. This is a guy, and, and we talked about this uh, on the preview uh, for this card. He's a guy, like I said, he's 40 years old. He's still a top five contender in the world at the age of 40. He's been fighting professionally since, uh, since 1999. And wherever he's gone, it's, it's been what would probably be considered the most competitive place for heavyweights in the world at that time. Because he started out, he, was, he fought in rings in Japan and in Europe, he, which at that time, in terms, of, in terms of heavyweights, that's probably 
the best place you could find in the world. He fought in Pride in the early 2000s. He fought at Strike Force in the mid 2000s. He comes to the UFC. He he's a, a former Strike Force champion. He's a former UFC champion. Uh, he's a great kickboxer. He's got a submission wrestling world championship under his belt. I, I legitimately think he's probably – I would put him ahead of Randy Couture, who – Randy Couture's a guy that I love. He's a guy that I've always loved. But you put uh, you put Alistair Overeem at the age of 40 as a top five contender, and he's a, a, a world champion in three different companies. He's the world champion uh, – excuse me, he's never been the – he's not the UFC yeah, world champion. Dream, uh, yeah, Dream K1. UF Strike Force and – yeah, uh, whatever – <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know, you know what, what I'm saying. saying. He, he never, he was, he's never been the UFC heavyweight champion. He's not been that. But he's still uh, all over the world. He's done it on every continent practically. And that, that makes him a, a top five guy to me. I think that probably puts him ahead of Randy Couture for me uh, because he, he outlasted Randy Couture. He's still, uh, long after Randy Couture has been retired, he's still one of the best fighters on the planet. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think you can argue with any of our lists, the both of our lists, uh, any way you put them. Honestly, I mean, you're I I can't disagree with you on your list. My top five is Stipe, DC, Couture, Velasquez, and Overeem in that order. But you could put any of them in order in the top three, and it still makes sense in my opinion. So th- there's no de- there's no debate in the top two with Stipe and DC, in my opinion. They're just both <laughs> that good. But yeah, that's. Yeah, yeah, the Reem's a legend. The Reem's a legend, and I'm not betting against him to get another title shot. <laughs> Absolutely not. If he if he beats Jorginho Rosenstruck, I think he's getting one. Definitely. Uh, oh well, he might have to wait for John Jones. Unless, oh yeah, yeah. Well, but speaking he's, of, he's gonna get one. Speaking of John Jones and Overeem, Overeem said it'd be an honor to fight John Jones. Uh, if that fight came to be, what were what are your thoughts on that? I think John Jones probably wins that. I, I think he's too quick for Overeem at this point in his career. So as much praise as I just handed out for Overeem, I think John Jones is another level in terms of athleticism at this point. And a 250-pound John Jones is, like we've said, absolutely terrifying. And that, that quickness is too much for a guy in Overeem who is still a great athlete, but he's, he's a little bit of a lumberer at this point. Yeah, I have to agree. I mean, I wouldn't. I mean, Overeem. It's one punch and you're done in some cases with that guy. But I think John Jones just uses wrestling to eliminate that completely. All right, to news. Nick Diaz might be coming back. Um, what are your thoughts on that one? Uh, well, that's that's interesting because Nick Diaz has been, uh, for the most part, out of the public eye. Other than other than when his brother's been fighting, he's he's been out of the public eye for for a number of years and he's talking about coming back early 2021 i mean we're talking about a guy that hasn't fought since 2015 so i don't really know how to look at this i mean there's been talk for years about nick diaz potentially coming back he's obviously uh, had some some issues outside the octagon since he uh last fought in 2019 or 2015 excuse me he's had some usada issues He's been fined by the Nevada State Athletic Commission for, for failed drug tests. It's, it's interesting because he's, he's had problems in the past. He's tested positive for performance-enhancing drugs. He's had issues with marijuana, which regardless of what you want to say, it is banned by it's, – it's a banned substance by the Nevada State Athletic Commission, which means he can't use it 
And if he tests positive, he, he gets the suspension that he's been on. Uh, but I think Nick Diaz, he's obviously not going to be a title contender because, I mean, he's 37 years old and he hasn't fought in five years. But, I mean, he's a guy that's always been an entertaining fighter. And anytime you put one of the Diaz brothers in the octagon, I'm going to watch because inside and outside the octagon, it's going to be ridiculously entertaining. Yep, I, I can't disagree with you there. Uh, do you have any other news that you want to bring up? I can't think of anything. I can't think of anything that comes to mind. It's, it's slowed down a little bit as the summers come to a close, but UFC still putting on great cards every weekend. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, ooh, uh, yeah, we already talked about Glover and uh, Santos being moved. But anyway. Uh, Ricardo Lamas retired. Oh, he did? Yeah, he retired after that last fight. Oh, really? Yeah, I can't believe I forgot about that. He, after knocking off Bill Algio, he retired. I did not hear about that. Okay. Yes. That's news to me. <laughs> yes. That was made official. That was made official today. This is, we're recording this Monday, September 7th. That was made official at two o'clock today. Wow. Well, all right. Well, congrats on our great creator, Ricardo Lamas. Yes. 38 sure. years old, uh, former, uh, former title challenger at the featherweight division, fought in the WC as well. He's a guy that has an outstanding track record that, may get overlooked a little bit when it comes to some of the better featherweights of all time. But he's, he was a guy that had a lot of longevity in that division. Yeah. And definitely a staple in that division for sure. Alrighty. Well, that'll do it for us, I guess. Uh, thanks for coming back on per usual. Yes, sir. All right, guys, we'll see you for a preview of fight night Hill versus Watterson.